Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you are still having a happy new year. I'll, maybe I'll correct myself and say a joyful new year because happiness often depends on our circumstances. Joy is uh, from the Lord and it's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And thank God, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So I hope you're doing well. And uh, we appreciate you guys. Uh, the great sharing of our podcasts and downloads. Uh, doing very, very extremely well. Actually, this year, uh, we're off to a record start for a year as far as listeners, as far as uh, donations, as far as people downloading the podcast, Stand Up For The Truth. And we thank you guys for that. Uh, you're doing it. We don't have any advertising. We don't have uh, a lot of things that a typical uh, ministry would send out. And we don't solicit. So it's all word of mouth. And plus, we're censored on uh, Big Tech and Shadow Band on Facebook, and you know the story. So it's because of you, and I really mean that. Thank you so much. Can't wait to get to our guest today, a brand new book. Uh, actually, it came out last year, Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. Is that realistic? We'll talk about it. Also, how to save America. Is that possible? Well, we got to pray instead of God bless America. We better be praying God save America. But let's open up in prayer as we always do. Great way to kick off the podcast. Lord God, we need you and we need your help, Lord. Just in this day and age with all that's going on around us, the increase in spiritual warfare, the increase in immorality in our culture, in our country, and the apathy in the church. Help us to overcome, Lord. You say we are overcomers, and we know we are by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So, Lord, increase our faith in the name of Jesus for these days that we're living in. Uh, Give us wisdom and insight, and God, help us know how to respond in each interaction, in each situation of life, but also in each conversation, especially with those who do not know you. But Father, we, um, we also understand that your church needs to be revived and awakened. And I think it's up to a lot of us to speak, to challenge, to do what we need to do, Father. So put those words in our heart. May they be on our lips. May they be your words. And may you lead us by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we get to our guest, uh, we will, in the third segment today, at least we are tentatively going to do this in the third segment, um, great articles. We can't keep up with everything. But over at Faithwire, uh, another glaring example of cancel culture. Facebook blocks conservative children's book publisher. Um, we'll talk about that possibly. And the top five freedom fighters of 2021. John Zmirak, the editor of The Stream, put that out. And he also has something, an article called The Vaccine is a toxic sacrament of globalism, paternalism, and abortion. And he calls this a fascist movement. So we may get to that from John Zmirak, but I'd encourage you to check out The Stream. And finally, in the third segment, we hope to get to Star Parker's article, More Government, Less Religion, The Progressive Doctrine. But first, I want to introduce today's guest, and it is Rusty Thomas. He's got a book out. Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. Uh, Let me give you a little bit of background on him since he's a first-time guest. Um, At the age of 17, he joined the Army, and he served as the M60 machine gunner with the 101st Airborne Division. Um, He's also a classically trained actor. He graduated from Los Angeles Valley College. He also spent six years traveling as an evangelist and a short-term missionary, and he was in St. Petersburg, Florida. In 1994... He became the assistant director of Operation Rescue and Operation Save America. And um, he's he's also a father, um, homeschooler, him and his family. And uh, he's got a vision to reclaim the masculine identity that has been neutered by the feminization 
of America. I said that very slowly because this is a topic we don't talk about enough, but we've seen it happening over the last 50 years. I can't wait to discuss that in addition to the book. But he and his wife, Kendra, uh, homeschool 13 children and uh, at the Thomas Nations University of Righteousness. Uh, Rusty Thomas uh, is covered by media outlets, and it has been through the years. He has close to 40 years of experience as a full-time minister, public speaker, and a writer. Uh, Rusty Thomas, thank you so much for joining us on Stand Up For The Truth. Brother, I I need to hire you. (laughs) Yeah? Well, I'm out of breath after that uh, that bio, and that was a condensed version. <laughs> yeah, 40 years is a lot of years. Man, I, I don't a know. Of, what, a lot of adventures. What, well, do you feel that old? Because I don't think you you look that old. you got a lot of energy and passion. Yeah, the, you know, the Lord has definitely uh, preserved me. Uh, you know, I, I still wake up every morning with, you know, Holy Spirit energy, you know, <laughs> wanting to serve the Lord and advance His kingdom and His great salvation. Uh, in the earth. So the the Lord has been really good in that regard. Praise God. Well, thank you for your time. I don't remember who referred us to you, but there's a we have a lot of friends in the End Abortion Now or Abolish Abortion uh, movement. And uh, I, by the way, I kudos the book. Um, you had me at Jeff Durbin. <laughs> the foreword of the book is done by Pastor Jeff Durbin, and uh, we love his ministry, Apologia Studios. But uh, Matt Truella, Pastor Matt Truella is local. He's a couple hours away from us in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We've had him, him on many times, and I love the uh, doctrine of the lesser magistrate. But, Rusty, um, before we get into the book, Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion, I want to get our listeners to know who you are, a little bit about your background. And, of course, we want to have you share how you came to the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, salvation, please. Well, brother, you, you've opened up a whole can there, buddy. Um, <laughs> well, go for it. <laughs> well, uh, I was uh, raised on the mean streets of uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. My neighborhood was uh, 90% black and Puerto Rican. And, of course, I was a white guy, and that didn't go over very well. <laughs> uh, so fighting as a way of survival, you know, became a way of life. And uh, in, my, in my home, we kind of put the unction in dysfunction. Uh, <laughs> my, my dad was a hardcore marine atheist. And, uh, you know, he was a bouncer at a bar. <laughs> my mother was uh, a barmaid. And so, yeah, a lot of fights, a lot of ambulances, a lot of police. Um, and, you know, grew up uh, with gangs and, and a lot of drugs and you know, a lot of alcohol, a lot of immorality. Um, so uh, when I was like 16 years old, uh, I, I could honestly say that I, I had like a lot of rage, a lot of torment uh, in my soul. Uh, if I wasn't beating up on flesh and blood, I was literally like slamming my face into brick walls, you know, blood coming down. I was sort of like the madman of Gadara. I, I just knew something was inside of me, and it was mm. destroying me. It was killing me, and I was out of control. And uh, I don't know if I ever prayed, but I sure screamed in torment uh, a lot. Mm. And uh, it got to the point there was so much murder in my heart that I was actually plotting the murder of my mother. Because mm. uh, my dad, you know, he was you know a hard drinker you know, womanizer, gambler, and, uh, you know, he pretty much abandoned his responsibilities to her and to us, and even though he was there, he was only an outline of a man. Um, though I loved and respected him very, very much, we, we just never really connected, and and so anyways, uh, my, my mother kind of took out her misery upon us uh, as, as the children, and so at that point in time, I didn't know there was death and power uh, in the tongue. And so she would lash us. She would just take all of her hurt, all her misery. And I would hear it like 10, 20 times a day. And uh, it was just literally just, it was torment. I was, it was, and uh, honestly, to get her out of her misery and get some relief for us, I, w- I was plotting her murder. Mm. Um, it, it got that far. Wow. Uh, and in God's providence, um, I received a phone call, 
uh, from a kissing cousin named Paddley. She was up in New Hampshire, and uh, she was just a little older than I was, and she called to tell me she was pregnant. And I was like, say what? Okay, then. And so uh, I hitchhiked from uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And at this point of my fighting career, um, if I knew I was going to get into a fight, I would just um, stare people in the eye, walk slowly and deliberately unto them, freaking them out. And without saying a word, I would just cold cock them and I wouldn't stop until they didn't move. And uh, that's, you know, that's when I knew I was going to fight. Mm. Uh, obviously, a lot of things broke out spontaneously, um, you know, through the years. But anyway, I get up there. I say, point them out to me. It was a, it was a kid named Danny. And I start going into my psych. I start staring him down. I start walking toward him. And this is the gospel truth. Um, I got about halfway where he was, and I was stopped like repelled by air Hmm. like there's just air between him and i i get to a certain point and i am literally repelled by air three times now at that point i know nothing of you know I, i know very little bit about god or spiritual things or angels or demons or anything like that that was just not in, in my wheelhouse at all. <laughs> and uh, so, of course, uh, I'm, I'm going through some serious mental gymnastics now. <laughs> like, how in the world does air stop me from moving? Um, and so after three times, I walk away. I'm pacing back and forth like a tiger in a cage trying to figure this out. And then I go to my cousin. I go, I don't know what's going on, but I can't get to this guy. This is so weird. And then finally in my mind, I decide, okay, I'm just going to go up and talk to him. And uh, when I decide I'm just going to go up and talk to him, I was allowed to pass. And I walked up to him. I said, do you know who I am? He says, no. I said, do you know why I'm here? He said, no. And I told him I was there to hurt him. And he looked at me in my eye and he said, no, you cannot. Hmm. And when he said that, I knew it was true. (laughs) I just knew it was true when he said that. And, of course, I asked the million-dollar question, why? (laughs) And and David, he says the name. He says the name because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. And when he said that name, I'm telling you, something jumped on me, went up and down my spine, I mean, my hair is standing on end. I'm like, whoa, you said this name. I'm feeling kind of funny. This is really weird. (laughs) And he says, well, that's the Holy Spirit. And me being a punk, we'll say, here comes Mother Mary. Let's party. Uh, But a short version of this, uh, we connected, and he actually invited me to his house. And they lived out in the country in New Hampshire, and all they had there was the woods and Jesus. <laughs> and uh, and I'm, I'm from the mean streets of Bridgeport, Connecticut. I'm raised in a concrete jungle, so I, I'm like in heaven here. I'm like, this is, you know, swings and go-karts and rivers, and it was just, it was just awesome. And so this family, like, took me in, wow. and as soon as I got there, they began to open the scriptures to me. Hmm. administer the gospel to me and I had run out of drugs and so you know life was so uh tormentive hmm. that the only time I ever smiled or laughed is when I was stoned out of my mind and you 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 talked at the beginning of this uh episode about the joy of the Lord being your strength amen and uh and what that's exactly what had happened to me, David, because when they mentioned the name of Jesus, when they spoke God's word to me uh, with no drugs, I was, I was sober as can be. Something is like bubbling up, something that is very strange, is very weird to my experience, um, but I, I find myself smiling, and it was so weird. And so they uh, invited me to go to the church, and so... Um, Apparently, uh, they had told this little church, little country church, that I was coming, 
And so the whole church is like geared up for me to come. And they probably hadn't seen a sinner in five years. And, you know, and I come walking in with the Scarlet S and I know they're praying for me. And, and so um, what had happened was um, they, they sat me in a pew. They put me at the end uh, near the, the aisle there. And the whole family was lined up and don't remember the message or anything like that. But, you know, they they gave an altar call. And this wasn't like an altar call where you come down and say the sinner's prayer. When they gave the altar call, you had to come down and wrestle with God. And you had to make things right with God between you and him. And uh, so uh, they give the altar call. And I don't respond. I'm embarrassed. I don't (laughs) want to make a scene. I want all eyes on me, even though all all eyes were on me. (laughs) Um, And all of a sudden, I start actually feeling pressure. They're scooching. They're trying to knock me out of the seat to get me down the aisle. (laughs) But I I refuse to go. (laughs) And so, um, of course, they were disappointed. We went back home and by that time, I, I was gone about a week from my home, and I figured I might want to get back. And and they they begged me to stay uh, just for another week. And it was during that week again they just were faithful to minister the gospel, God's word to me. Mm-hmm. And about halfway through that week, David, I don't know who this Lord is. I really don't. I never talked to God. Um, but something is clearly happening. I can remember wrestling in my mind. I, I you know, my dad's a hard, hardcore Marine atheist. Man, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm involved in the gang. This, I can't, I can't become a religious goody goody guy. It's not going to go over. It's not going to work. You got the wrong guy. And I'm, and I'm <laughs> wrestling like, you know, I, can't, I you know, I can't do drugs anymore. I can't drink anymore. I can't get you know, have relations with women anymore. I mean, come on, that's, that's just not me. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just, it's, it's like I am wrestling like big time with all my objections and all these different things. And, um, but something began to settle, uh, David. And so at the end of the week, I went back to church and Again, I didn't know who this Lord was, but there was something uh, I knew. I knew I was coming. I, I just knew it. Mm. And uh, so I sat in the in the pew, and he gave the call. And the only way I can describe it, David, this is the gospel truth. It was like I was like like on a surfboard. I was surfing like to the aisle. It was like I was being carried <laughs> to the aisle. I mean, that's what it felt like. I was like being carried there and. And again, I, I had never talked to God. I, I didn't know the magic words. I didn't know what to say to him. Hmm. And I'm wrestling. And and uh, so finally the preacher had little mercy on me. He kind of bows down and looks me in the eye. And he says, Rusty, receiving the Lord is like anything else in life. If you want something bad enough, you go out and get it. Now you ask the Lord into your life. Hmm. And boy, when he said that, something broke. <laughs> it wow. just broke. And I cried out to God, David, and I am telling you, the power and the love of God hit the top of my head. It surged through my body. It hit my toes, and on its way up, all the hate, all the rage, all the alcohol, all the drugs, all the pain, demons, all of it just spewed out of me, just spewed out of me. The next thing I know, I'm experiencing a love and a joy and a peace I never thought possible on this side of heaven. And I am weeping and sobbing. And, and that, that was a big no-no growing up in Bridgeport, Connecticut with my dad. You mm. don't cry. That's right. You, you <laughs> stuck up the pain. You keep it in. You, you, you're a man, and you better man up. And that's how I was raised. And boy, I'm telling you, whatever happened, the floodgates just broke open. Mm. And I am sobbing. I am convulsing. And then I'm laughing. I'm, I'm, I'm weeping and laughing at the same time. Yes. And then the entire congregation uh, comes up. They're laying hands on me. And it literally, honestly, it felt like I was levitating between heaven and earth. That's, <laughs> the, that's the feeling wow. that I got. And uh, next thing I know, and this is the gospel truth, God knocks me out, literally lays me out at the altar. This poor family who <laughs> brought me to the church, uh, I'm, I'm laid out. 
I don't remember anything that happened during that time. I was just knocked out. Hmm. And uh, and it took so long that they literally, uh, after an hour and a half, they told me, they carried me out of the church and they laid me in their cemetery outside the church. Now, this is an actually important part uh, of the testimony because when I was growing up, I was searching. I mean, I was still a human being made in the image of God, and I was still seeking to understand this life. And I could remember going down this this trail in my mind going, man, if I wasn't here, like, what would be here? And if there were no human beings, would there be anybody here to perceive life? And I would just go down this philosophical trail trying to find the answer, and I would literally get to the point where my mind would break. I would literally tilt. I couldn't get there. And every time I went down that road, it ended with me six feet under the ground, looking up at a gravestone saying, here lies Rusty Thomas. It always ended with my death. Wow. Well, we've got to take a break right there, Rusty. We're going to continue this when we come back. It's so good. I hope, friends, you're uh, enjoying hearing the story of Rusty Thomas and his conversion. Well, he's also done a lot of work in the pro-life community and trying to wake up people, the church, and also in the political realm. He's got a book out called Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. A lot more coming up with Rusty Thomas on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. You're hearing the powerful testimony of Rusty Thomas, who has just an amazing uh, background in history, particularly after he uh, was knocked out by the Lord. Um, But I think a lot of us can relate to when you said, Rusty, to God, you've got the wrong guy. Because even after we've been saved for many years, we're walking in Christ, hopefully uh, bearing fruit, uh, a lot of us think, well, then there's a new task that comes our way, and we go, are, we, are you really, Lord? I think you got the wrong guy. But that's so biblical. Old Testament, there, there are uh, prophets in the Old Testament and people that God called uh, from uh, Jonah to uh, e- Ezekiel to uh, so many others, Gideon, you've got the wrong guy. Even Moses, excuses, excuses, excuses. But I want to share uh, John chapter 15, verse 16. You, God says, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. But it doesn't stop there. I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Rusty Thomas, pick up, pick up your testimony when you were out outside the church there, laid, laid out, and then you came to pick up your testimony right there and just share what, what you thought was going on. Well, it's like I shared with you uh, during the break, brother, um, and it was a couple of years, you know, as you're you're thinking back on these things, meditating on these things, that I, it really, like, like kind of came to me. Um, you know, I was a street fighter, you know, sort of by trade. You know, I never lost a fight one-on-one, never lost a fight two-on-one. I even won a fight three-on-one. And the only time I ever lost a fight is when I got jumped by gangs. And I got beaten pretty bad. But I really, you know, I I really believe that, you know, God kind of meets us where we're at. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes he'll satisfy us intellectually about his existence and who he truly is. But for me, you know, I was raw, brother. Mm -hmm. I was just raw. (laughs) And I was just a fighter by nature. And I truly believe that's how God humbled me. You know what I mean? To let me know that there's a greater power than me, this little, you know, thug, this little punk. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, he laid me out. He knocked me out. And I always prided myself that I was never knocked out. That was one of my pride things. So he just <laughs> he just totally just broke up that whole pride deal, laid me out. And uh, when I came to, uh, this is another strange thing that happened. And um my whole body was working pretty well, and and uh, I was functioning. Uh, but I noticed uh, my hand was balled up into a fist, and my brain was sending signals to my hand, open up, open up, open up, and it would not open up. Huh. 
And I'm like, okay, <laughs> what, now, what is this? And so, you know, I go up to this poor family, you know, they're in astonishment. They're blinking like, what in the world just happened to this kid, you know? And I go up to them and go, man, what's happening? I can't open my hand. I just, you know, it's balled up into a fence. It's stuck. And, and they're going, oh, um, it's maybe the after effects. And I'm going, the after effects? I said, all I said was a prayer, and now I'm crippled. I mean, what in the world is going on here? And the interesting thing about that, Brother David, is when I have fought many, many battles uh, in this culture, on the streets, at the death camps, and even in the halls of political power, when the Spirit of God comes upon me, I don't have to think about it, boom, that fist is mm. there. Wow. And I truly believe when God saved me, that's when he called me uh, into this ministry to fight this battle. Wow. Just phenomenal. Thank you for sharing some of those details. We don't often hear testimonies like that. Uh, you know, A lot of us maybe grew up in a religion or in a church, but maybe weren't committed. Maybe we weren't even converted. I don't know. But um, it's those testimonies that are so powerful that show us that God can reach anyone, and he reaches us right where we're at. Um, yes, sir. I want to go uh, to your book now and talk about—I'm uh, going to share a quote from Jeff Durbin, who did the foreword of your book, and then I'm going to ask you how you came to be such a pro—actually, not I shouldn't say pro-life fighter, but abolish abortion advocate. Jeff Durbin says, We have endured about a half a century of slaughtering— Preborn image bearers in the United States of America since the evil Roe v. Wade decree. This systematic slaughter, now totaling in the dozens of millions, can only occur in a nation at war with God and His Word. And then he says, child sacrifice has a long and dark tradition amongst mankind. It is biblical, we see it in the Old Testament. But in a nation like America, how we were founded, it's very disappointing to see where we're at as far as the lack of defense of innocent preborn life. So what pierced your heart, Rusty Thomas? What made you? This, is a, this book came out last year, but you've been in this movement for many, many years. Share with us how you got involved. Well, brother, uh, the Scripture says, you know, out of two or three witnesses, let it be established. And that was God's dealings in my life. Uh, when, when, when I went into full-time ministry, I, I was always a preacher of righteousness. I, I never shied away from the burning issues of the day. I wasn't politically correct. I wasn't religiously correct. Um, you know, and I even said from the pulpit, abortion uh, was murder. Uh, the problem was... Um, I, the proper moral cord to act upon that declaration of truth mm. what was missing. And so I was saying one thing with my lips, but I was acting like uh, something else was happening. And that's, and that's how, you know, Lord began to convict me He going, Hey, you know, if you're going to say abortion is murder, you kind of need to act like someone's truly dying. And, and that was a huge conviction that came upon my soul. So what had happened was I had a good uh, pastor friend. He was a college pastor. Um, he, he would, you know, open air preach on uh, college campuses. I would join him and we would do evangelism together. Well, he had come across a video called The Massacre of Innocence by Eric Holmberg. Hmm. And up until the point I had seen uh, this video, yeah, I, you know, we debated abortion, you know, we argued about it, you know, there was, you know, pro-life arguments and, you know, pro-choice rebuttals and back and forth and yada, yada, yada. But up until the time of this video, I had never seen an abortion. And that was a huge game changer for me. So there, there was this evening where my wife was at a woman's meeting at church. I was all alone and I decided to put the video on. And the first part of the video, he kind of traces abortion, child sacrifice, you know, biblically through the Old Testament, mm. traces it back to Moab and Ammon. Uh, they were the first tribes to introduce this uh, evil practice, this idolatrous practice. He does a great job biblically 
but it was the second part of the video that was the game changer, David. Um, he, he had Pat Benatar uh, singing in the background, and she had this song called Hell is for Children. That's right. I remember that. It, yeah, and it was, you know, it was about child abuse. Mm. So every time she screeched, Hell is for Children, <laughs> you know, he, uh, he put up pictures of aborted babies. Wow. And uh, I'm watching this, and I'm literally seeing, like, you know, severed limbs and, uh, you know, decapitated heads. And there's, like, blood everywhere, these torsos. And when I tell you, brother, my mental faculties were not ready to see what I had seen uh, you know, I did what every other self-respecting Christian would do. I turned that video off. Mm. I mean, my senses were assaulted to the max. Mm. I was not prepared for it at all. And I could remember I, I ran into uh, my bedroom, and I felt prostrate before the Lord. And, and brothers, uh, I'm not talking about crying here. I'm not talking about weeping. I'm talking about a wailing so intense that my physical chest hurt. I sounded like an accordion, like, like sounds like a wounded animal were just coming out of me. Mm. I, I could not believe this nation that I, that I love, mm -hmm. you know, had sunk to this level of depravity. You know, the parents would do this to their own children. I mean, it was just, it just, it was crushing. It just, I, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And, uh, and so when I finally came to, uh, you know, I'm not like one of those guys that, that seen it and just could walk away and pretend like I didn't see it. Uh, I saw it. Mm -hmm. uh, it was there. And now the question is, what you going to do about it, bud? And, uh, you know, I was pastoring, I was going, you know, I was traveling as an evangelist and uh, and it literally, it was like my Isaiah 6 moment. You know, I saw the Lord, and now my whole life is unraveling right before my very eyes. I am truly undone, and I know for sure we live in a nation that is undone. There ain't no doubt about it. That's right. If we're going to do this in the face of a holy God, we're undone. There mm. is no question about that. And uh, so... That was like the first like huge witness where God, you know, broke my heart, opened my eyes to this Holocaust. And then the second week, a week after that, I'm watching TV and it's at the Democratic National Convention, 1988, Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm watching, watching Christians at death camps, abortion mills, praying, singing praise to God and being arrested and thrown in jail, interposing to try to save the life of these children. In 1988? Going, oh, my gosh. So, like, wow. the week before, you bust me up, and then the next week, I'm witnessing Christians uh, bringing forth fruit, meat for repentance, yes. rescuing these children from death. So that was the second witness. And then the next week after that, I get a knock at my church door. I was there in my office. There's a strange man there. He knocks on the door. He says, are you the pastor of this church? I said, yes, sir, I am. He says, we got to talk. And I'm going, okay, you know, what do, what do we need to be talking about? <laughs> he goes, I just returned from Atlanta. And I'm going, you, you were in Atlanta? He goes, yes, sir, we need to talk. And I, all I can tell you, David, the tears start streaming down my face. Go, yes, sir, we need to talk. Mm. What's going on here? What's God doing here? Wow. And he just laid it out, brother. And, and, and that threefold witness is what birthed me into this battle. Praise God. I do want to mention, uh, Rusty, where people can get the book. What is the best website that people, is it Elijah Ministries, or where can you send them to get the book? Actually, uh, you can give them my my email address. Uh, that would be the best way to contact me. Now, there's two ways to do this, brother. Um, it's going to be officially published 
by Covenant Books very, very soon, like oh. within a few days. Oh, wow, good. Now that, And that's an interesting uh, development, brother, because I do believe it's the first book on abolition that an official Christian publishing company has published. So we have broken some serious ground here, and we have taken some serious territory. So hopefully soon they can get okay. it through Covenant Books. If they want a copy now, my email address is rtosa13 at yahoo.com. Okay, I'll put that in today's podcast notes at standupforthetruth.com. But I want to thank you, Rusty Thomas, for not just the, the content, what you write about, your passion, but also at the very end of the book, there are something like seven or eight pages of actually aborted babies. And these aren't fetuses. This is not tissue. These are whole babies. In fact, we've written about it. We've talked a lot about Kermit Gosnell and people like him over the last many years who were killing babies that were, uh, in his words, this baby is big enough to walk me to the bus stop. So mm-hmm. they were full-formed babies, nine months in the womb, and he was aborting them and laughing about it. This is the heart of evil that we are seeing. And so thank you. Uh, I remember in my first book, I wrote, uh, I quoted uh, Father Frank Pavone, and this is not to endorse the Catholic Church or its teachings, but I love many of them who are partners in this, trying to save lives in America. He said, America will not end abortion until America sees abortion, meaning it's out of sight, out of mind. If we don't see these graphic pictures, if we don't really understand what the abortion, the gruesome abortion procedure is like, we will not get a grasp on the, the, the evil this really is, and it is murder. Rusty Thomas, we've got just a minute left in this segment, so uh, give me a couple of your websites where people get more information on you and maybe hear uh, some of your uh, videos. Well, you know, we're uh, obviously we're on YouTube. You can just type in my name, Rusty Thomas. Um, I'm the former uh, assistant and national director of Operation Rescue, Operation Save America. So there's the website, OperationSaveAmerica.org. I do have my personal website, which is ElijahMin.com. Um, you know, for many, many years, I kept Elijah Ministries going, but I was really more functioning in ministry through Operation Rescue, Operation Save America. And I just stepped down from OSA uh, last June and put new leadership in place. And they're carrying on the vision, mission, and message. And, and so now we're back to Elijah Ministries again, and that's okay. how we're, we're serving the Lord. It's Jason Storms, right? Yeah, Jason Storms. He's he's uh, Pastor Matt's son-in-law and yep. associate pastor uh, of the church there. Yep, troublemakers for the kingdom, Rusty, just like you. Yes. <laughs> and hopefully just like us here. Uh, we've got to take our second break. We've got so much more coming up with Rusty Thomas. And uh, we'll remind you, you can get that book, Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. We are going to talk in the next segment of how that is not just a pipe dream, and it is necessary for the righteousness of the church in America to pursue this goal. More with Rusty Thomas on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Rusty Thomas, author of the book, Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. Now, I said we were going to get to the book. I lied. We've got to talk about so many other things, but we're going to have to have Rusty back. I just want to quote Jeff Durbin in the foreword of the book. Uh, the murder of preborn human beings is primarily a gospel issue. Let me clarify. We've said this so many times on this podcast. Abortion is not political. It is a moral issue. They've made it a political issue, but this is a key point in the book that Rusty gets into detail on. Before we get to more of the table of contents, Rusty, Please share the story about your son, Jeremiah, because I remember him even in the hospital. I think even President Trump, I think, called him, I believe. Share a little bit of that story and uh, what happened, please. Oh, brother, you opened up a whole nother can. Yeah, well, let's do it. 
Okay, well, all right. So, you know, 13 kids, you know, God bless us with 13 kids. And mm. Jeremiah was our youngest son, and he had four older brothers who, like, pummeled him his whole life. You know <laughs> what I mean? And all my sons were uh, all-star uh, football players, state champions, and he was the youngest. And so he really, really benefited uh, by his older brothers sort of uh, – preparing him, let's say, you know, for the rigors of football. And so he became, uh, as a freshman, uh, he became an all-star. And by the sophomore year, he had led his team uh, to a state champion. On both sides of the ball, he was just a beast. Incredible. I mean, incredible. We broke all kinds of records. He was our only son that was uh, actually uh, being um, recruited uh, by uh, college, uh, you know, universities. And uh, anyway, he he had a very bright future as far as, you know, football was concerned. He he had a lot of passions, you know, his faith, his family, uh, and football. Those those three Fs he was was, uh, so strong on and, you know, raising them, you know, homeschool Christian family. You know, he, he was quirky. He had his issues. He had his struggles. Um, but uh, a few things happened along the way. Uh, and, and again, bro, I don't know how deep you want to go into this, but there was, there was, you know, different things that happened that was preparing him for mm-hmm. an incredible cross that he was going to bear uh, in service to the Lord. Mm. And um, and so basically what had happened was um, we were uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, and we did uh, a traditional rescue. Uh, I led a team of about 10 Christians. Uh, we sat in front of the abortion mill doors. We interposed. Um, and there's a great little video about one minute long called the father's last words. And, um, when they arrested me, they, they brought me on the other side of the sidewalk and I'm sitting down in my hands, you know, or handcuffed behind my back. And there's my daughters, there's my sons. They're crying, um, because their dad is arrested. They're going to jail, you know, I'm going to jail. And I said, how are your hearts kiddos? And they go, it's good, Dad, it's good. Wow. And I said, this is your heritage, son. Wow. This is your heritage. Hmm. And, uh, boy, when I said those words, I just saw the Holy Spirit just fall on my son. Just Those words just tumbled into his heart, and he just started crying. And, again, he wasn't, he was, you know, he was a real deal guy. I mean, he was strong. He was handsome. He was witty. uh you know, he was cool, um, so it wasn't like him just, just to, you know, cry, um, but the Lord uh, touched him, and that began uh, his journey, and uh, so that was in May. In July, we came back and did our national event, and a couple of things happened there that were very significant uh, in his life and in his eventual death. Um, he... Uh, First thing is we had a baptism, and uh, it's it's people can see it online. There's a web a Facebook page called Jeremiah uh, Thomas Fight, <clears throat> and uh, so we have this baptism. We're supposed to just baptize one kid. I went into that water to baptize one young man who recently got saved, and I didn't leave that water until three hours later. People just kept coming, clothes and all. I mean, just boom. It was an amazing uh, manifestation of the Lord, and uh, one of those that got baptized was my son. What's interesting about that, he is literally pounding his chest right before he's getting baptized, and little do we know it was that very spot that an aggressive bone cancer was going to create a tumor that was going to split him in half, literally. Mm. Um, And he gets baptized. He gets on fire for the Lord. And then we go to the streets, and we are uh, in downtown Louisville, and we had a few adults, and we sent the youth out to Louisville downtown to pass out tracts and minister the gospel and, 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 you know, be a defense for these little children that are made in the image of God. 
Well, little do we know about 50 Satanists, not just pro-aborts, not just sodomites, 50 adult Satanists show up and they attack our kids. Wow. And the media is out there. The police are out there. There are hundreds and hundreds of people. And these kids got off the bus. They're literally shaking. They're quaking. They're crying. And, man, the Satanists I've just pronounced curses on them, mm. profanity, vulgarity, all this sexual uh, insanity, just, just pouring it on these young kids. And they're trembling. And then all of a sudden, the Lord shows up. And these kids just automatically, instinctively, they just got on their knees and they just started crying out to God. They began to worship him. They began to praise him. And and it's on. This battle is on. It's like a Mount Carmel showdown. Wow. Uh, it's literally going down. It's literally happened. And these little lambs that were crying and weeping and scared out of their minds, they turn into lions for the Lord. They literally began to roar like roar, and it's on. And um, afterwards, when I got there, my son Jeremiah came up to me. He said, Dad, you have dragged us all over this nation, you know, from one battlefront to the other. He goes, this is the first time in my life I don't want to leave, Dad. I don't want to leave this field of battle. Mm. And I went, oh, my gosh. You know, his nostrils got the smell of battle. You know what I mean? He tasted it, and it's on. And from that point on, he his whole life uh, dramatically changed. And so instead of him, you know, me dragging him around, he's dragging me around. I'm like, come on, Dad, get up. We got to go. We got to do this. <laughs> hey, Rusty, we, we, we have about five minutes left, so I want to fast forward a little bit to the, the time where uh, he was in the hospital. I see a picture on the Facebook page. Um, of you and your wife, and looks like one of his brothers around him. You have the Bible open. I'm sure you guys are praying over him, reading the Word, and and share that what culminated in that time when he, even President Trump, I believe, called him. If I remember right, no, it was it wasn't Trump. It, it, he had a uh, uh, scheduled call with Governor Abbott. Okay, okay, and, and it was his his dying wish that uh, Governor Abbott would abolish abortion in the state of Texas. In Texas, that's right. And um, and there's so much to this story. Honestly, brother, it, we're just touching the surface. But anyway, right after all that, when God really got a hold of him, and, and now he is on fire, and he's serving the Lord in this battle faithfully, uh, he gets struck down uh, with an aggressive bone cancer. Hmm. And he had like a 10% you know, survival rate, uh, six hospitals, two countries, uh, an incredible adventure, uh, ups and downs. Uh, I, I can't even go through all of it, but, brother, it was massive. And his testimony literally went all over the world. His videos went viral, like like millions of views. Uh, and the the fruit of his life and his death touched so many. I mean, salvations, prodigals returning home, marriages healed, uh, young people birthed into the battle. And the fruit of that continues to this day, literally. We get testimonies to this day, and we just finished his book, Jeremiah Strong, that goes through the details that I'm just giving you the bullet points, but highlights his entire testimony. And we're submitting it to four filmmakers now in the hopes that one day it will become a feature film so God can continue to use uh, his testimony to touch and change the life of others. Right, and you've, you've got that posted on Facebook, the announcement, uh, just, I think, uh, in uh, mid-December when you found out that this is going to be a project. We've got just uh, three or so minutes left, three and a half minutes left. Rusty, uh, we did not get in-depth by any stretch uh, into your book, Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion, but could you walk us through just a few bullet points, because I'm not sure when we're going to be able to reschedule you and have you back to talk about it and the book on Jeremiah. But people you know, have to be understand abortion is not a political issue, but sometimes it does take interposition and going to senators and those representatives in this process. A couple minutes to share your thoughts. Well, in, in the book, I have one chapter, you know, 
uh, short-term and long-term strategies to abolish abortion. Excellent. So the short-term is the church, you know, coming out of the building, you know, the salt out of the shaker, the life from under the bushel, uh, to engage this culture of death and uh, to go to the actual death camps and minister the gospel of the kingdom. Mm. Because a law, you know, changed five years from now holds no hope for the baby scheduled to die today. Amen. And that's where our partnership with Jeff and Apologia has been so incredibly fruitful. Because once that that revelation came to them, it was on, and they really took very serious this short-term strategy uh, to abolish abortion. So they got hundreds and hundreds of churches now engaged in the culture, on the streets, at the death camps, ministering the gospel. Babies are being saved. Souls are coming to Christ. So that's, you know, that's one aspect of this, you know. That's the short-term strategy. And then the long-term strategy is for the church to have a mission to the magistrate, because we got to understand biblically, you know, God works through headship. He works through government. He works through jurisdictions. And the government's most responsible for the protection of these children is the state, not the church. Now, we, we, we say it is a, uh, a gospel kingdom issue, and that is true at its core, but there are political and social ramifications for this Holocaust, and that's what we're struggling with right now as a nation is the fallout of this this Holocaust. Yes. And we do have to understand that our plight as Americans is directly connected to the plight of these children. In other words, no freedom for them, guess what? Our freedoms are being taken away. No justice for them, what are we suffering with? Incredible injustice in these days. And no life for them, and then the question is asked, well, do we deserve it ourselves? And so, you know, to make that connection and then understand that it's the state that's ultimately responsible before God to stop this Holocaust because their calling is to restrain evil, yeah. to punish the evildoers and yes. protect those who are good in God's sight. And so, you know, we have this mission to the magistrate, and so we meet with our sheriffs and chief of police and our congressmen, our senators, yes. our governor, our lieutenant governor, and we begin to establish relationships, and we disciple them and mentor them in their duty not to regulate baby murder, but to end it once and for all. And so that, that's the twofold strategy, brother, the church on the streets, the church uh, in the halls of power, and uh, convincing the state they must repent and do their duty before God and use their lawful authority lawfully uh, by protecting these kids' lives. Amen. God bless you, brother. We will have you back, Lord willing, and talk about the books. Um, Rusty Thomas, Operation Save America, Elijah Ministries, and we'll get the information, how you can get a hold of him in the podcast blog, StandUpForTheTruth.com. Tomorrow, we've got Seth Gruber, another phenomenal pro-life advocate. He's back with us. Kevin Sorbo on Wednesday, Dr. Andy Woods on Thursday, and former transgender Laura Perry on Friday. Thank you guys so very much. Again, share this podcast. Keep doing it, guys. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>